nerd soul late ill kid at one y'all still holding it down bringing that street geek and nerd soul what is up my people today all year nerd soul gaming plus a movie review of sorts for y'all we gonna be getting into the uh what i call the mortal kombat movie but it's the story mode the cinematics that play out and all that but i have a awesome person with us to break this down give us the analysis if you will i give the mic to open mind what's up What's happening, Nerd Soul family? Mortal Kombat! I'm sorry, I, I, I had to. <laughs> Yo, man, back in the day, if anybody was doing some kind of skills presentation in martial arts, that, that song was playing. And I'm just right. letting y'all know that song was, that, that drum was playing almost too much. <laughs> yeah, that's but, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was cussing. Sorry. But at the, at the same time, it is a dope song. Like, oh, it's a classic, bro. Like, man, when, you classic. Combat, when you yell the that, that the, in your mind, the song plays. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like come on, bro. It, it's too perfect. <laughs> Like you um, can't, it, it, it gives you an earbud. You know what I'm saying? Everybody <laughs> listening right now, the song playing in y'all heads right now. Right now, it's in your head. Earbud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, before we get into the nitty gritty of the story, I want to know uh, from your perspective, what? How did you feel about the story mode of this game compared to the, you know, MK9, 10, and 11, and of course the 11 aftermath, which is you know kind of like part of it or whatever. I say this overall. Before we get into too much detail, I don't understand it, honestly. Okay, now, okay. I watched it, and I watched it again, right? And I just don't, I mean, I ain't gonna say I don't understand it. I get what happened, but I guess the ending was just so, you know, bland for me. Like, the ending was bland. I didn't I didn't understand the ending. Like, is Havoc gonna be the, the new con in, in Mortal Kombat 2? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't like, are we playing with timelines here? Like, I don't get where did it happen to Chronica? Like, it's, I got questions. So, really, I got questions. That's how I answer that. My answer to that question is, I got questions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, like, the, for me, I'm, I'm feeling like the, the, the cinematics, the, the effects, the graphics, the fight scenes, uh, story-wise, like i was all in because i like how they in the trailer they made it seem like oh okay this is everything starting over luke kang's in charge and then they like you know close to the end like psych actually this is just one fragment that got broken off there's other fragments of this so i was just like oh snap so they they're gonna they basically made it to where they can go wherever they want with this because of course once you start playing with multiple dimensions you know it because i mean even though they're different timelines it's it's just you know timelines the dimensions it's kind of a similar thing so i mean once you start doing that yo man it's, so it's okay endless. so since you, since you said that because because that kind of answered the question that i had one of the questions is the multiple timeline thing? So I'm gonna put. So I'm gonna put it in, in, in terms of Netherrealm. Mm -hmm. I think for the 
I think for to make things easier on themselves and to take pressure off themselves, they created this type of story so that they can do what they want to do going forward. Yeah, and they're, and they're not bound to the the fans' tradition of one, two, three, four, five through eleven, and then continue on with these characters from last from last previous game. You know, I think it's a genius move on. Ed Boone and everybody that was involved to do that in that case. Since you said it like that, because I didn't see it from that perspective till you just said it, and now it makes so much more sense. But not yeah. from a my, not from a Mortal Kombat perspective, but from a Ed Boone perspective. Meaning we're about we're about tired of y'all trying to dictate to us what our game is going to be. So we're going to give y'all this game, at, and I actually think the game is incomplete. But I haven't really played it myself to say it's incomplete. I think story-wise, they just left room for a sequel, of course. But I think yeah. they left room to the so that they can do what they want to do in the sequel, and they don't, they're not bound to the fans' demand, you know. Yeah, because with the way they did it now, they opened it up in a way where they can always have some kind of incursion for whatever villain they want it to be, and yep. they can be whatever version of. You know, Shao or Sindel or Jared or whoever they want it to be, whenever. So, story-wise, it gives them a lot of freedom. And it gives us as fans a lot of different looks at, you know, villains, and you know, like Stung Lao and stuff like that. That gives us, like, these villain mashups where it's like, oh, okay, cool. This is, I never thought about that before. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of it. meat on the bone for that. I'm all for something like that because... As we get older, man, you know, it's easy to get set in your ways mm -hmm. and, and things. And I'm a person that I don't like. I don't like looping. I don't like to loop. I don't like to do the same thing over and over again. I actually like mm -hmm. change and variety. And and I have my I have my monotony about me. I think everybody does. I, there's certain things that no matter what I'm going to do every day. But if it's if, if, if it's a game. I think we as fans, we as, as as consumers should allow people to give us something different. Yeah. Like they'll give us something and we'll get used to the thing that they gave us because it's like three or four years before they give us another one. And that date and when it, when part two or three comes out or whatever, everybody wants to complain about how it's the previous version was better than this. Everything was better yesterday. Yeah, but, every, but, the, but, the old one is always better. But here's but here's what that here's what that says. You as a consumer, whatever that, whatever you doing as far as if it's gaming, if it's a TV show, if it's a movie, a revamp, remake, uh, a reboot, whatever. Why are you, why do you refuse to allow things to change? Why do you have to have it the same way? This is a rhetorical question that I'm asking to the listener and to the person who, who has the hard critique for everything, right? You know, the other the other game didn't do this. This is, you know, like whatever angle you're coming from. Why is it that something can't be different? Why can't we have something new? Why? Why do y'all want things to be the same? Just, just give me the same thing you had last time because that's what I'm used to. Like, why, why won't you allow yourself to learn something new, do something yeah. different? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is that about? And that's, that's just the little rhetorical rant I wanted to have about just the whole thing. Like, I don't have a problem with the storyline. The storyline is great, even if even though it's changed a bit. But if you look out into the FGC, if you look out into the NRS community, as Mortal Kombat is concerned, 
ain't nobody happy about nothing. They got a problem with everything. <laughs> uh, it's, almost like, it's almost like, why y'all even buy it, man? Like, yeah, but here's the thing. It's not that the thing that they're not, they're not really complaining about the gameplay per se. I mean, they got their little complaints about Serena and all the other stuff, but their complaints are the same type or category of complaints from every game, from Mortal yeah. Kombat, you know, all the way to now. It's like, yo, y'all all sound the same. Mortal Kombat 11 is better than 1. Mortal Kombat X is better than 11. MK9 is better than 10. And blah, 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 blah. It's like, but but here's what y'all doing is there are people like you and I and the rest of us who welcome change. We welcome uh, different go, branching off into a different direction on certain things. Why can't we have that? Why does the community have to be monkey see monkey do give me the same thing as last time or or I'm not gonna buy your product? I don't get that mentality. That hive mind is crazy. You know, what's that? What is the hive doing? Well, if it ain't what the hive is doing, I ain't interested in it. Like, why I gotta join your hive mind? Why can't you have something different? <laughs> Go ahead, man. Uh, <coughs> it's it's saddening. Like it, it really is. But I wanna I wanna stop for a second and give a shout out to Nether Realm Studios for continuing to make Mortal Kombat stories better than warner brothers can on a live action screen <laughs> i know right uh, I don't, i'm like i'm watching this i'm like yo and i mean we'll get into some of these characters in a second i'm like yo why am i enjoying this more than the mortal kombat movie that came out for warner brothers like bruh y'all y'all got all the hollywood money and all that like why y'all can't just do this like, or, or maybe or or hire those writers be like hey after y'all write the game then write us another movie so because apparently y'all know what y'all doing and we don't like I this think I can answer that <laughs> and this is a speculative answer this ain't definitive I think the reason situations happen like that where, where the, the video game is better than the movie as far as voice acting or script writing or whatever is because Hollywood they they're very arrogant and pompous like they probably gave they probably didn't even give ed boom any type of creative control they just needed his his permission and his signature on oh, certain okay. paperwork you know what i'm saying and maybe he's on set maybe he he gives them a storyboard or some backstory on certain characters but ed boom has no creative control over it mm-hmm. nor does any other nor does nor did street nor did capcom you know, and it's like even Harada had some limited control over Tekken Bloodline, whatever. And that's Blood why Thinner? Was, yeah, Tekken Blood Thinner. That's why it was Gatorade instead of Tekken Blood Thinner because Harada didn't really have as much input because what happens is you got the rich, rich, rich executive in Hollywood that wants to take a game, turn it into a movie. Mm-hmm. But they but they give the facepalm in the hand, they give the, the stiff arm to the people who created the game. I just need you to sign off on this. Here's some money. Shut up. And give me license to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell my I'm going to tell a story from my perspective. They're going to they got and they hire writers who have who have never picked, who never mashed a button for Mortal Kombat. Right. Never mashed a button for Mortal Kombat. Going to tell us about Scorpion. Going to tell us about Sub-Zero. Going to tell us about uh, this 
what's his name? Kobe or uh, uh, the the character, the main character? Um, uh, Luke Kang. No, no, no. The Mortal Kombat movie. Main oh, character. the the guy they made up. This the, guy that they just made up. They they made up that random character. I was like, what? This, this dude, I can't think of his name right now. The first Mortal Kombat movie where he was the he was a descendant of, of Scorpion or something, right? That's he's supposedly Scorpion's descendant. But that's not. There's nowhere, even in Mortal Kombat One, where they retelling the story. There is nowhere in the Mortal Kombat history that says Scorpion had a descendant whose name is I can't think of the boy name, but the, the character name in the movie. And that's gonna be a, a, a character that we use and play with and do fatalities with, and that's Earthworm's yeah. champion and all that stuff. Like Hollywood, what are y'all doing? But it's not Hollywood. This is normal. Ed yeah. Boone did not have creative control over that movie. He, he he got paid and he gave some permission to do some things and sign some paperwork. He did not have no creative control over that script. But that's a fact, that's kind of like a Warner Brothers thing because I remember. I was covering one of the animated, the DC animated properties, and I was uh, talking in an interview, talking to I think it was either with Bruce Tim or the guy from Sliders that was doing Superman's voice. I can't remember his name right now, but um, he was like, "Well, the way the offices are set up, like the animation people, we're on our own, so like they kind of let us do." what they whatever you know we want so that's why like you know like the animated stories are like very reminiscent of the comic books and not not even where it follows the comic books perfectly but you can recognize this character like this character acts in a way that you would expect this character to act because you know this is how wonder woman is or this is how the flash is you know what i'm saying so they were like we're kind of left alone so there isn't that the the heavy-handed studio involvement when it comes to the animated projects so basically to what you were saying that might be it the second they go to make something live action they're like we want all this control and we're going to change this and change that and it's like bruh you no know, it's fine it's already dope like we already like it <laughs> it's like that that's just hollywood for you bro hollywood is arrogant and they feel it's like for example that's why we're so upset as black people with the way they they portray us on tv it's always a white person writing a script for a black for a black part it's always a disconnected suburban raised white person who has never been to the hood was not raised in the hood and don't even have no black friends you got actually white friends that were raised in the suburb he worked with a black guy one time maybe he worked with a black guy one time and that black guy ain't from the hood that black guy was too from the suburbs and that guy, this particular writer in question, grew up in a household where his or her parents could afford to send them to a private school to go to a college, to get a degree, to become a writer, to get in a, to, 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 to follow that path in their life. And you're going to write stories because you have a college degree about a culture or community that you yourself don't know nothing about. And that story gets put into the desk of an executive. It turns into a movie. They hire the actors to play the part. The actors argue with the director on set because they changing they changing the script on the fly. This is not how a black person would say that. So yeah, they get like, yo, uh, black people don't do this. But, but here's the thing, though. Here's here's what I'm getting at. It's lazy because what they want to do is they'll hire a Denzel, they'll hire a Viola Davis, they'll hire a, 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 a Jamie Foxx to or to do said black role. And they'll they'll uh, actually count on 
this such and such actor to educate them on any mistakes in the script and go ahead and ad lib that or change that on the fly because it saves them money and it allows them to employ a white writer instead of a black writer who can and tell they you the never give way. that actor any writing credit either and they'll never give that actor any writing credit they'll just like if this is if the script is what it is or samuel L. jackson that's another black one they'll 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 let a a, a, a respected black actor come to the set with the script already written and just make some script adjustments but not rewrite the whole script the script was still written from the mind of a white person who didn't grow up around black people or understand black culture outside of what's mainstream and that is why we that is hollywood that's across the board video games comic books that's what they do they're so arrogant and think they know everything I got a college degree or I got a billion dollars in my pocket. So I'm going to. So what do you know? You know, and that's how they treat you. Even Ed Boone, who's a wealthy man, had no creative control over his own movie. So I think they paid Ed Boone enough to shut him up. <laughs> I don't think Ed Boone approved of the movie because he saw it before we did. I think he disapproved, but I think he probably was a yes man just to get that check true that but but truly truly did not approve of none of that was probably thought it was all corny and was like whatever because they're not gonna trash me they're gonna trash your movie and i'm gonna get paid and i'm still gonna put my game out and i'm still gonna make money so ed boo probably looked at it like a situation i'm where still gonna get my cheese i'm still gonna get my cheese and my i'm still not gonna lose my mortal Kombat fans so this movie is trash but i'm not gonna tell you it's trash because then if i say that you're not gonna pay me so i think ed boo was in a situation where he took the money and just just stayed silent probably secretly agree with us because he'd be clicking like on stuff people be saying but he don't say nothing you know what i'm saying it's like I, I think i think that's just what it is and this is all speculative i don't have no proof of what i'm saying i'm just thinking that <clears throat> we get the you what you said the mortal Kombat video game movie is better than the movie because yeah. the creators know how to tell their story the creator of mortal Kombat know how to tell the mortal Kombat story yeah and, and this you know this story is so like chock full of like the 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 mortal Kombat lore is beautiful like we got you know we got earth realm we got outworld we got nether realm we got so we got different timelines like it, there's tons <laughs> of stuff and there's there's a lot of history that they've built upon and they continue to build upon it and it doesn't seem to be like like breaking or cracking under the weight of its own success at least on the video game side right right um but with that said i'm gonna go on i'm gonna go in and uh start off uh the characters i'm talking about uh <laughs> i'm gonna shout out madam bo um <laughs> madam bo don't play i sent it to you uh straight up yo madam <laughs> bo ain't no joke man like shorty got shorty got some skills she said i mean she was she did say that she was training Raiden and Kung Lao, you know, so, you know, look, homegirl has some skills. Yeah, you like, could you know, Madam Bo, she's, she was a whole brutality in, in MK11. <laughs> <laughs> you could throw her man. at somebody, you threw her at you, and she just ripped your face off. Yo, Madam Bo has skills. Yo, I gotta give her a props. And I like the fact that even at the end of the movie, she was like, so, um, who's gonna pay this check? <laughs> like, I, I love and she don't play with money. me because you know because you yeah because you know she not she will she will give you that work 
Y'all get all of that smoke if y'all don't play that tab. Yeah, you better pay that tab. She hurry, ain't playing. Hurry up and buy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Funny yeah. game's over. <laughs> I, lo- I love her. I love her as a character. Like it's it's cool to add in th- this story adds in comedic moments without being cheesy, and she's one of those where it's like she's she's has comedic moments and comedic <clears throat> aspects without being whack, and that that plays out through this. Um, one thing that I love about this, and I'll talk about these three together, is the characterization of the Lin Kuei. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Behind, you have um, Scorpion, I can't think of it. Yeah. Kwai Liang. Uh, Liang and Tomas. And this is a story as old as time. You know, you have, you have two brothers in the wake of their father's death, or you have three brothers in the wake of their father's death. You know, how should they carry on his legacy? And you just play it out through this story. So it's like, it's it's a trope as old as time, but it's done so well with these three kind of figures. You know, with Scorpion, you know, Sub-Zero, you even got Smoke, they're all three together. And then we even get mention of Cyrex and Sector later on. The way they play these characters is so... Like the the moment that like the vignette they get is so interesting, and to the point where I'm like, man, I I could take a whole Lin Kuei, you know, Empire story on its own. Like, like the whole thing with like you know, Tomas, you're not you're not blood, but you're you're you'll always be my brother kind of thing. Like that kind of stuff always transcends, and it's done in a very real like relatable way and with dope fight scenes uh, <laughs> like i i will say the fight scenes were awesome but here i i found myself kind of torn between the whole behind part of being like we're gonna take the clan somewhere else we're gonna do something different and scorpion being like no we need to respect you know what our father laid down because I do, on one hand, I am like, look, this is what our father set set before us. It was great. It's a perfect foundation. We need to keep this going because Defenders of Earthrealm is a very important thing. Like we know, like we've met Liu Kang. Like this is an important thing. This isn't something that's, you know, that's trivial. But I also understand one thing to say like, yes, we did that, but it's time for us to move forward this was you know dad's dream or this was mom's dream but we need to live out our lives and our dreams but sub-zero is also kind of power hungry (laughs) kind (laughs) of kind of like a little bit just a little bit but i mean who do you side with in a situation like that are you are you feeling more like scorpion side or do you do you at least understand a little bit of sub-zero's like hey (laughs) i don't want to be i don't know if i use the term subservient to Liu kang but you know you don't want to just be a protector of earth anymore no um i see both sides of the thing um in this storyline timeline I actually understand where Sub-Zero is coming from. I understand where, where General Shaw is coming from. It, mm. it, it, yeah, he said 
you know, he said something to the effect, he said to the Sindel, better, better, better that than be Luke Kane's lapdog. Then you got Sub-Zero basically saying, I don't want to be Luke Kane's lapdog. It's like, you don't want nobody else telling your story for you, right? Yeah. And, and there is a, there is a, a, a some, some level of, of, I'm not making my own decisions. I'm not making my own choices type of realization. Once the story unfolds and everybody realizes who Luke Kang really is, everybody in his timeline, it's like, okay, and that's what Sindel asked him, like, you know, should I bow to you or like, what should I do? And he was like, nah, don't bow to me. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not a god like that. I mean, I'm a god, but I ain't somebody that you need to be worshiping. And it's like, so with that said, if Luke Kang himself doesn't deem himself to be someone divine, because he said, I'm not divine. Yeah. Well, if you're not divine, then why do we need to do what you say? As far as Shao Kahn and Sub-Zero are concerned. I don't agree with evil. And I don't agree with world domination and going to war and killing innocent people. No. But a broke clock is right twice a day. And I've, and I've said this before. I've said this on, on the Corrupt um, comic episode. Sometimes the villain is right. Okay? No, yeah, I'm not. It- a villain. No, I don't. I don't cheer for the bad guys to win and dominate, enslave, and, and, and be tyrants. What I'm saying is, in context, if a villain is having is, is saying something in the moment, they're not attacking anybody. They're not burning anything up. They're not oppressing anybody. They're just speaking. If they make a point, right? They have a point, and sometimes you, you as the hero, need to listen to what the villain just said. Because we wouldn't be here if the thing that the villain just said wasn't happening. I wouldn't be a villain if this wasn't going on. And you the hero trying to save somebody, but you gonna you gonna you gonna save this group and let this other group die and you'll call yourself a hero. The villain is basically telling the hero that you're you you're not really a hero because you're deciding who lives and who dies. What's different? What's the difference between me and you? I'm a villain, I kill people. I decide who lives and who dies. You're the hero. You're saving that group and letting that group die. You're deciding who lives and who dies. What's the difference? Well, there is there is context in there which I think Luke Hale <laughs> should have given a long time ago to certain people. Like when he broke down and, and had to talk to Sindel about what was going on, that's something that he should have given the protectors of Earthrealm. Like he should have sat, you know, all three of them down and been like, hey, because I mean, I can only guess that maybe their dad knew, maybe, maybe not. But he should have sat those three down and been like, look, here's the deal. This stuff has happened before, and this is why it's set up this way. I've made it this way so that hopefully the death and destruction that happened before will not repeat itself. You know what I'm saying? And then they'll be able to say, okay, cool. We're not lap dogs. This is done because I died or you ended up losing an arm or such and such and all these million people died. So, okay, we can understand now. But Liu Kang has been spending so much time trying to keep people in the dark, which I guess I kind of get that to a certain degree. But it, it works against you because these are not dumb people. Like, Maybe, I mean, I'm not saying the whole world should know, but maybe the Lin Kuei 
and maybe like Sindel should know and maybe that's it I mean of course there's loose lips but at <coughs> least if Sindel knew then she'd know to you know keep a little eye on Shang Tsung just in case you know what I'm saying because you never know you know just keep you know keep keep a little eye on that you know send a little birdie down there to check on him every now and then because you're right Sub-Zero from his perspective he's like yo I know something's going on like we don't know the full truth something ain't right and why are we just following him just because like why why are we resigned to just be the protectors of earth realm and then since it seems like it's been peace so long it's like well what do we have to protect it for nothing ever happens so it's like why should we even protect earth realm because there's nothing to protect you know what i'm saying so i can kind of I can kind of get that side too, which is why a big part in this movie, I'm looking at Liu Kang like, bruh, why did you not say anything like years ago? At least to the like the important parties, like the Lin Kuei, maybe Raiden and Kung Lao, and Sindel. Maybe though, maybe those I would have definitely let them in on it. And just like did some kind of magic thing so they couldn't tell anybody else <laughs> like some special like magic secret or something like that but i back to the lin kuei thing those is three brothers i love that i can watch that on its own straight up like easily and that's something that i think works extremely well in this story like even outside of that another thing that i ended up liking that at first i didn't is the story with uh johnny cage and kenshin you, you or, liked it or you didn't like it i at first i didn't at okay. first i was like um this is kind of corny i don't like i don't like <laughs> i don't like johnny k i've never been a real big you know big fan of johnny cage and now putting them together you know he's annoying kenshin and he's also annoying me but now seeing them play off of each other for the full movie um well and i mean i just call it a movie because i always watch it as a movie um like same thing with like the doom movie like when doom comes out i wait for all the scenes and stuff but it plays off well and we do see cage once again because this is a new cage we see cage change now of course at the end he's still like hey man i'm gonna go and get this hollywood money but he's he's a much different man at the end of it and he earns the respect of kenshin and vice versa and even you know with kind of giving him the cento and like you know that that respect level they kind of become brothers in arms due to their you know due to their station in life and I ended up liking it way more than I thought. Now, I've never played as Kenshin in the game because the last Mortal Kombat I played was Mortal Kombat 3. So I've never played as Kenshin, but I love his character and his characterization, man. I thought I thought Cage and Kenshin worked very well in this movie, um, especially as part of one of the things where it was comedy without being cheesy. Like you know, it's, like Cage it's, walking it's, around filming everything, making movie Kim references. Chi, <laughs> it's Kimchi, by the way, not Kim. Oh, Kimchi. Yeah, Kimchi. Oh, sorry. It's, Apologies, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I know because right, cool. I know somebody is somebody is grinding their teeth at you. They go, oh, like, it's, 
<laughs> it's all good. Apologies, y'all. So Kenshi got you. Got you. Yeah. But you but, know, Kenshi was my dude uh, in, in MK9 and MKX, and then the, the tag battle in Mortal Kombat. It was a Mortal Kombat tag battle. So Kenshi always been my dude. Um, I, I I actually loved his this rendition of Kenshi, the Yakuza type situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I forget what happened that made him lose his sight. What happened? How did he lose uh, his sight? Malina, when Malina um, kind of hulked out with the Tarkat disease, she mm-hmm. stabbed him in the eyes. Okay, that's what happened. I couldn't remember what, what, what happened. So, and then, you know, with that said, you know, Kenshi is Kenshi. You know, he's, he's a, it's a new, the Kenshi character didn't talk much. Right? He didn't have a whole lot to say. So, he had a backstory. He had a, a a purpose, and that was pretty much it. So we're getting more dialogue. This is the most dialogue you got. We've gotten from Kenshi as a character, just in Mortal Kombat. Period. Usually, just yeah, a character. In the other movies, he was definitely, definitely way more silent. Oh, he was very silent. He's a, he was a, he's a silent warrior. He like I say, he has a purpose. He served his purpose, and he died in MK11. Um, but I like like I said, I like this portrayal of him because it gives the character life it gives him um more than just purpose again he's like a mainstay i expect to see kenshi in mortal kombat too yeah definitely and then the the sword the sento like how it responded to him once he once it was given to him to kind of like one return his sight and also kind of be that like spiritual strength and support i i was like that's awesome because i i didn't I guess I didn't expect that because we didn't see anything special from the sword yet, but then also someone from that clan had to have the sword for it to happen. So like seeing that change in the sword and then even seeing how it affected Ermac was cool. Like this the the uh this the lore that surrounds the different items and the different characters is man, I like I, I straight love this. Like Speaking Honestly, of Ermac, huh? Speaking of Ermac, I like oh, yeah, the fact ahead. that I like the fact that they made him Jared, King Jared. Mm, okay. I like the fact that this Ermac is King Jared and not and not a character that's just a bunch of souls in a body. Mm, okay. Because er, Ermac is just Shang Tsung's creation. All Ermac really is 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 a walking. Uh, a storage unit for Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung oh, so basically both, just a weapon for him, I guess. Yeah, like Shang Tsung. I, w- I would say he, I wouldn't say he created Ermac because that's not the right way to explain that. It's not that he created Ermac. It's just that Shang Tsung steals souls, and he's <laughs> he's collected so many souls he couldn't keep them all in his, inside of his body because he's still kind of a living human. So he can only hold so many souls, and that's why he had the soul well over there on the um, Shang Tsung's island. Because I don't, I think he's he, as he collects souls, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like a planet. It's like he collects souls, and as you collect them, it grows big. That ball, that green ball, grows huge. But for a long time, Ermac was walking around was just like. I said Shang Tsung. I meant to say Quan Chi. Quan oh, yeah. Chi created Ermac. I said Shang Tsung, but 
Quan Chi created Ermac for Shang Tsung so that Shang Tsung can store his souls. But that's Quan Chi's magic, right? Ermac is, is a conjuring of Quan Chi's magic. He created something to walk around and and be the the, 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 the like the storage box for souls. So Ermac is not one person. Ermac is a bunch of souls in one body walking around like a sentinel. That's what Ermac is. He's a sentinel, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have okay. a... A sentinel doesn't have a choice. They don't have their own individual, you know, saying it's just a walking sentinel or golem, wherever you want to call it. It's just a, a, yeah, that's what Ermac is, essentially. Ermac is a golem or a sentinel, something that you program to do a thing. You know, it doesn't have it per personality. It's an artificial intelligence because it's so many different souls. There's no one individual soul that controls that body. You see what I'm saying? So so this Ermac in Mortal Kombat 1 is not the, the Ermac that's the keeper, that's the all of the souls in one body. This is the dead, resurrected King Jared Sindel's husband. Yeah, because it definitely seems like, at least from how I got it, is it started <laughs> as trying to be a weapon, but then somehow Jared was able to, I don't know, come to the forefront and kind of take control of the body i guess yeah something like that and and like i said that's pretty much what ermac is so i'm 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 glad that that jared king jared the the, the elusive character that's always talked about in mortal Kombat, but never actually a playable character <laughs> king, king jared is basically a playable character because he's in he is ermac. um i did want to take a quick break uh to drop in on something that I did not expect which is how dope the fits in this game are. Mm-hmm. All right. The fits is ultra fresh. Yeah. And and all, uh, I'm going to go back to Kenshi. There's this one there's this one outfit for Kenshi. It, it's later in the movie that you see but he got like the suit on and the so like man look like my brother's mad cold. Even like everything they wear, even like the the stuff, like Fire God, Liu Kang got the whole time. That's fresh. It man, like don't nobody look whack in this movie. Like all the <laughs> the whole the empress and like all the princesses and stuff. All their clothes is dope. Like, I, like the the garments in this is on point. Like. <sighs> Something that normally I wouldn't care about except watching the movie so much. I'm like, man, everybody's costuming is like on point. Like even when they're wearing the the regular Shaolin monk stuff, it looks awesome. Like there's there's never a moment in this movie where somebody's wearing like bad clothes. I mean, unless it's supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? But everybody essentially, everyone's character design is straight awesome in this. Which just goes to, you know, like it, it goes to how like good this game looks overall. Like, you know, from the backgrounds, you know, when you see like, you know, you see the temple with like the, the beautiful trees and all that. You see when, you know, Raiden first gets his powers, you know, or first gets the, the amulet or whatever. Like all of this stuff, it goes together so well, whereas I'm... I'm just continually impressed each and every single movie I saw. Like when MK9 came out, I was like, oh man, this is cool. Even though if you watch it now, you know, the, the CGI, you know, I mean, come on, man, it's an old game. And then right. 
you look at number 10 and it's you know it's a little bit better and you know i mean of course it's still an old game then mk11 drops it's like oh snap hold up and now this one it's the more i look at cgi stuff i'm like yo man look on the real we getting to the point like if you just get some fire voice actors like this movie you might not even have to do live action like that no more like you can save a lot of money you know, well, especially when it comes to I, car crashes and pyrotechnics and blowing up buildings, you I can save a lot of money. I still wouldn't do away with live action because if you think about it, somebody has to do the mocap for those fight scenes. Well, so true, if you're yeah, gonna, yeah. so if you're gonna have people, you're gonna have. All right, so let's take a fight scene where the main character is fighting a bunch of NPCs. It's like this movie, right? There's a, there's a lot of fight scenes in this movie where. There are NPCs are fighting, fighting the main characters. Mm-hmm. Somebody's wearing a mocap suit, playing that NPC, and it's not. The, and you can't have one person doing all the fight scenes for every character because no. you're going to wear that person out. That individual has to come into the studio, put the blue cap, blue mocap suit on, with all the cameras and bulbs sticking out of, and they got to do all the kicks and punches. And in other words, they have to have like different gates of they as they walk different in different manners. So, so it's best to have a team of mocap, right? A team of people who know how to know martial arts, know judo, kung fu, kickboxing, whatever they know, mm-hmm. and all of them have to choreograph this scene inside of a, a studio. Well, that's all stuntmen are. If you're going to hire stuntmen to come into a video game studio to do mocap for you. And just then, 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 just hire some actors to to do a movie because the actors aren't doing the fight scenes either. The stunt men, the the stunt doubles, and the stunt men are doing the punches and the kicks and, and jumping through the glass and falling through the floor. And the, the actor is in a couple of scenes doing some punches and some kicks, but they're cutting to the stunt men fight. Most choreographed martial arts outside of say Jet Li, Jackie Chan, you know, Jason Statham. Um, I guess now he wouldn't even say Wesley Snipes because even Wesley Snipes didn't do all of his own stunts even when he was a young man. Yeah. So most movies, most action movies, martial arts action movies have stuntmen doing the fight scene. It's happening so fast you don't see it. You see the actor's face fighting. Or sometimes you do see it and it's horrible. (laughs) And it's horrible. But sometimes you never see it because they put the actor's face on the stuntman's face. They 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 put the digital technology on and put the actor's face on the face of the person doing the the, the punches and the kicks. Who's a stuntman? And they just didn't have time to cut that scene, so they just had the two the two doubles on set, the actor and the person dressed up like the actor. Don't look nothing like them in the face. A whole different, totally different face. But they doing that fight scene. They're filming it. And when they go to the editing room, they just put the actor's face on that person's face. It's just like Photoshop. It's almost like Photoshop. They Photoshop the actor's face on the stunt person's face. So you always see the actor fighting and not the stunt people fighting. Because back in the day, like you said, it would cut to the stunt person and you would see the horrible cut. And it's like, <laughs> you know that's not Eddie Murphy or you know that's not Jackie or whoever. You know that's not the actor. You could either, you could, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good example. Believe it or not, Arnold Schwarzenegger did not do all his own stunts. There was a there was a body double, body builder who looked who had Arnold Schwarzenegger's like figures, like features in his face. He was his, he is Arnold Schwarzenegger's paid body double. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, got one too. It's he 
when they cut to it back in the days in the 90s they would cut to <laughs> the stuff that you could see the obvious <laughs> person that's not that person <laughs> but now with digital technology you can still do the same thing hire the stunt, stunt actor and hire the actor let them fight and then go to the editing room and just put the actor's face on that on the stunt though let the actor do some light fight things something light where they're not exerting too much energy yeah they had to like do, fall down those steps yeah. and, and then let the stunt people do the rest of it go to the edit room and clip it and edit it and put this actor's faces on every scene every clip so they don't have to really have bad cuts like that every scene is the actor's face on the person fighting so i was i said all that to say no no it's 3d animation or animation period isn't that good because they still need mocap you can't have a good animated fight scene without a mocap you can draw it all day you want and you can upload assets into a software that that has animated kicks and punches but most but if you want that realistic feel of a fight scene you hire real humans and if you're gonna bring them into the studio to put a mocap suit on then just bring them to the set and shoot the movie you know what i'm saying it's the same thing both these both groups have to physically choreograph a fight whether they do it with a mocap suit or they do it with a costume on in front of a camera they still equally have to choreograph an actual punch and an actual kick. So if we're going to animate a 3D movie, you're going you're gonna to need mocap. So do that as well as do the movie, is what I'm saying. That shouldn't do away with that business. It's not. A, it shouldn't be a situation where somebody loses a job or a profession goes out of business because something looks really, really good animated. You know what I'm saying? It does. <laughs> you, know, you know Hollywood, they, you, know how, you know how I be, man. They... They out here messing up Mortal Kombat. I'm like, look, just leave it, just leave it to the pros. Now, nah. yeah. <laughs> but, but um, the the reason I like this so much is because even even things that normally weren't weren't super high lit, like uh the I guess the royal family. So let's take the royal family <laughs> for example. Normally, the royal family is like, hey, it's Sindel, she's evil, Malina's evil, Katana's good, the end. You know, like, don't ask no questions. It's usually like, you know, Sindel, you know, her and Shao, they're doing stuff, they're evil. But you don't really get into it as much as far as their family, their, like, their family ties. And in this one, between 9, 10, and 11, I think this one, we see more of their collective loss concerning jared instead of just katana being like oh my dad's gone like nobody else caring i like that that aspect about it too i like the fact that there was more and and i'm let give it back to you in a minute no no go ahead i I like the fact that that sindel wasn't made out to be this evil b and melina wasn't this evil b and katana wasn't this um what's the word overly ambitious but yet reluctant princess. You know, it was Princess yeah. Katana for a long time. It was Princess Katana. Well, now it's Princess Melina. And Princess Melina's on the forefront. Katana's the sister that's trying to look, that's not, in other words, Katana is Melina and Melina is Katana in this game. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Anybody who know Mortal Kombat know, know what, I, what I just said. It makes sense. It makes sense to you if you know Mortal Kombat. In, in, in this story mode or in this movie, Melina is Katana. And Katana is Melina, minus the, the 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 evil part, but it's more like this: which sister has 
who's the older sister for one and for two who has more heir to the throne melina mm-hmm. because in rend- previous rendition katana was one uh, was an only child melina is a clone yeah created by shang sung but katana is the only child she don't have a sister you see what i'm saying there is no mm-hmm. twin sister melina there is no no sister it's just princess katana so we got the story forcing these two to be sisters for real because in that timeline that's her clone in the uh, mortal Kombat up until this point she was her clone up but now that's her actual sister, meaning meaning Sindel gave birth to these babies. They came mm-hmm. out of her womb as twins. So, you know what I'm saying? And, and she loved her kids, and they had King Jared, the father, and all that stuff. I like the fact that they had love, and they actually told the story as a family unit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Other than just a separated family that's just everybody evil, everybody trying to kill each other for the throne, you know? Yeah, I definitely, I, I really dug that. And then seeing that the kind of like the Tarkat and disease or the type <laughs> the disease of Tarkat or whatever and how it wasn't how it kind of sort of how it started and how they're kind of hiding it from you know the people because of course how the disease is seen and how everybody's kind of shied away from them and you know kind of pushed all those people with the disease out you know out to the outskirts so that's something that I thought was like really really cool you know just having them even even having um tanya come in as like uh sort of like the the sort of i guess hidden girlfriend sort of because i mean katana's you know she said i have eyes so maybe i'm sure sindel probably saw it too but everyone else you know was didn't know but even having tanya that that kind of attitude in it it showed that Melina was like a it made them fully realized characters and not just you know not just this is evil girl number one and evil girl right. number two or something that's like that all, that's all Melina ever been is just the evil girl Melina really never really had any actual ambition she was just a clone yeah because think about it Melina let's say Melina wins Mortal Kombat what does she do really what does she actually do she just wants to terrorize Katana at the end of the day. Yeah. All she wants to do is just tear it. She don't want the throne. She don't want to rule. She don't want no money. She don't want no man. You know what I'm saying? Like, she just want to just, just irritate her. She lived to irritate her sister. And it's like, and now it gives Melina an identity. And that's so, and that's fine. She's like, she has an identity now. I had a question though, and I might have missed this. Mm-hmm. How did Melina get cured of the Tarkatan disease? I've missed, missed that part where I well, skipped over it or was distracted. At least cause... that I know of, I don't believe she was cured, but I, I might have missed that at the end. But that well, I know her, she her was getting the serum. She, uh, she was getting the serum that uh, Shang Tsung made from the bone marrow of Baraka. So Baraka did. So when he died, that's it. He died in the story and ain't gonna, that's it. Well, did, hold on. I don't remember if Baraka died. I don't think he died. No, Baraka didn't die, but I don't think she was ever totally cured of it. I think she's just basically taking the serum over and over. And it's keeping the teeth from coming out. It's yeah. keeping it from flaring up, I bet, I guess. So she can show her face without the teeth. Yeah. Okay. Because I was so, wondering. You know, like the, the teeth end, come out, the then she takes the serum, and it kind of like, it kind of like, you know, puts it, pushes it off or whatever. 
Okay, because the reason I was asking because I was wondering like why why how come Baraka never got the the, the cure? Yeah, now that the only thing I assume is he was probably yeah him and those people were too far gone. And speaking of Baraka, those side characters that got you know love in this you know in this story like Baraka and Garrus. Those two characters got way more time in a good way than everybody ever got. Yeah, like you know, like seeing Baraka as not not as a villain, or seeing Reptile not as a villain, you know, but as these people that were kind of sort of pushed into where they were. Now, I will say one thing to learn from Reptile, everyone, please. Listen in, Reptile's family had been dead. Even, even you know, of course, Shang Tsung was like, yeah, I killed them a long time ago. I don't leave loose ends. And this is why you never follow the whole, if you don't do this, I'll kill your family. They're going to kill everyone anyway. All right? right. They're bad. That's what they're going to do. They're going to kill everyone anyway. So do everything you can to stop them at that time because they, they're going to kill everyone anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, the they're not going to leave you alive. They're not like there's not going to be a, a beautiful reunion later on. So that that hurt. But seeing these two characters, you know, even Baraka saying to Reptile, like, look, you know, I'm I'm you know his prisoner and you're his slave. Like that, like I don't I'm not mad at you for what you're doing. Like you know, like. None of us is here. Neither of us is here because of like we want to be. And I just thought I thought that was awesome. A cool way to take that character, like a cool direction to take that character in. Also, uh, oh boy, the I'll say real quick the the characters that I love to hate in this. Um, normally I wouldn't remark upon. Shang Sun and um I wouldn't remark upon Shang Sun and Quan Chi this way. But these two together it's so the first shouts out to the shouts out to their voice acting. Shang Sun and Quan Chi are two characters that I love to hate in such a beautiful way. <laughs> like <laughs> so I, I want to ask you this: Were they evil or good? Not the other timeline, but the current timeline. Shang Tsung, Quasi. Would you consider them evil or good? I'll consider them evil. They knew that they were killing people. They knew that they were like, you know, uh, torturing people and experimenting on people. And they knew they were, you know, plotting that coup with Shao behind Sindel's back. They're definitely evil. <laughs> but, but I do love when um they're making the plan at the end and um uh I think it's I think Raiden comes up with the plan and they're like oh yeah it's such a beautiful plan it's so, it's so beautiful and awesome and he was like stop it with your empty flattery <laughs> oh man it was because it's like those two together man it, you know what it's like the two bad kids in school where you got to make sure they stay separate because you can't let them sit together because it's like a powder keg. It, that man, having them together 
was awesome. Of course, you need them. The plot doesn't move with their, without their craziness. But even though they're bad, the voice acting from both of those characters and also their, their, you know, their characterization on screen, I loved it. I really did. Like, even, even more than Shao Kahn. Well, I mean, he's not a Khan, just Shao, but... Is the voice actor for Shang Tsung the same as Eleven? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I don't think it's the same. Okay. Since they went since they went younger, I don't think it's the same uh, actor. Okay, because it sounded like that's all. Yeah, it that man just their their kind of I don't know like the the veil of arrogance as they speak and stuff like like that type of stuff where I'm like man they are really. They are really doing an awesome job with these characters. Like they're able to come in and be like evil and slimy and all that stuff, and it it works extremely well. So I did I did you know enjoy loving to hate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. You know, it's like oh, Quan Chi has a prophecy. You know, like sure, sure he does. Yeah, let me guess. Liu Kang's gonna kill everybody. Mm-hmm, okay. I ain't seen no Quan Chi videos yet. Ain't nobody played with him yet. Oh, word? Nobody want to be Quan Chi? You know oh, what? Dad. I just realized that he can't play with him because the combat pack ain't out yet. Because he, he ain't out ah, yet. Ah, word, word. See him in the story, but you can't really play with him until he drops. Mm, okay, okay, cool. Um, now, I will say, as far as them, the whole storyline of them going to find out what uh, Shang Sun is doing and, like, come back you know, with more information and this and the third. My question is this, bruh, why in the world didn't Johnny Cage film them with that cell phone he'd been carrying around forever when they were like, uh, you know, about to uh, inject Melina with the serum? Because I'm like, because the whole time they were like, oh man, we have to, we have to tell Liu Kang. I'm like, well, they're like we don't we need proof it's like but you had you've been filming everything in the world now where your phone at like come on johnny man dang johnny be he be disappointing me sometimes <laughs> like, <laughs> because i was like i was like yo why you ain't filming this i'm like bruh this, this is what we need you to break out the cell phone that's a character like, I'm never gonna play with, Johnny Cage. I'm never gonna play with Johnny Cage. Yo, man, Johnny Cage. I'm trying to think. Did I ever play as Johnny Cage back in the I've day? I've, I, I think everybody. I played with everybody before because it's Mortal Kombat. But Johnny Cage is not a character that for me. I, I'm, now, what I'm about sorry. what about the Van Dam? What about the Van Dam upgrade? You gonna play I, with that? It's the same giant. It's the same. Oh dang. Oh, he said he said giant he said Van Dam can't even save you. Nah, bro. You can give if Johnny if Johnny Cage, he's gonna he plays a certain way. He's not he's not a character that I actually never got a character. <laughs> oh man, that's cold. That's cold. Oh. He's, listen, I don't have a problem with him being in the game. No, I don't hate the guy like I hate fighting him or nothing. I just don't care to play with the character. I don't go to practice mode to learn how to play with him. He's not a character that I want to mash a button for. I just don't. From the from the man that gave us the term Soul NATO though? 
No. <laughs> Donald oh, Cage has always been a has been a, a corny character to me. Corny in his personality, corny in his fighting style. Oh, he's mm. gonna hit you. He's gonna hit you in the groin. You know, it's like okay, all right. How many times are you gonna hit people in the groin? I mean, as as long as it still works. No. I mean, yeah, it's a move that works, but I, I feel like there's you can do Mortal Kombat has so much more to offer than Johnny Cage. He's mm-hmm. only gonna give he's only gonna give you so much. He's gonna be limited into what he can do, and you're only playing with Johnny Cage because he's because of nostalgia. Right? <laughs> is he a good? Oh, is he a, is he a trash character? No, because people play with Johnny Cage and they main him and they win tournaments with him. He's not a, for me. He's not a character that I would take seriously. Even in mm. the left, even in this new Mortal Kombat, I'm not gonna play with Johnny Cage. I'm not. I've seen all his little gameplay videos. I've seen his character breakdown where they break down all his little setups. And it's a video dedicated to Johnny Cage, and I, I don't. I'm not impressed with what I see. I'm unimpressed. Dang. Like okay, Johnny Cage can do that. All right. All that's telling me is what people are going to be spamming. They're not going to do anything creative with Johnny Cage. They're going to do that one thing that he does to game hype and to do that move. So, with that said, that's all. He's he's a one trick pony. Mm. He can't throw a fire. He can't throw a teleport. He can't. I mean, he can't throw a spear at you. He can't freeze you. He can't. Hey, he said. He said you. Johnny Cage. He said all y'all out there playing Johnny Cage, y'all limited. Y'all, you're limiting yourselves. This, mm. the, the other characters on the Mortal Kombat roster across all Mortal Kombat can do way more damage and they're just cooler looking. The combos look better. The combos are look easier to pull off. Johnny Cage is also a very hard to execute character. For no, for no reason at all. Johnny Cage is hard to execute. Right, he's not even a main character. He's not even a, an important character in the Mortal Kombat story. He's a he's a part of the story, but he's not that important. They gave him his shine in Mortal Kombat 11. No, Mortal Kombat 10. No, was it 11? No, I think it was 11. 11, yeah. Mortal Kombat 11 is when Mortal, is when Johnny Cage is basically the main character. Him, Cassie Cage, and Sonya Blade. The three of them and, and their and Shinox, you know, I, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad the Cage family oh, and, and and their Shinox his whole family gone. No, I don't want them gone. <laughs> I'm just, I just don't think that. I feel like Mortal Kombat 11 was wasted on the Cage family mm. because I don't think that they were that important of a family. You got Johnny Cage, who married and divorced Sonya, and they had a kid. And their kid is the one who beat Shinna. Okay, fine, great, great. <laughs> and that's all I gotta say about it. Great. That's it. I, mm, I'm not. I don't, it's like, cold, man. I don't like. I just don't think. I feel like. I feel like. Jax and and Jackie could have gotten could have got some shine. They did, but I think they could have been given the in, the air quote importance. Okay, right. okay, word up, word up. And I feel like Johnny Cage took over MK11 as far as the storyline is concerned. It's all kind of centered around Johnny Cage and 
Cassie Cage, you know, throughout the story, you got Johnny Cage talking to his younger self is in a different time. It's, it's, it's just not a different timeline in Mortal Kombat 11. It's it's future and past. Yeah. Mortal Kombat 11 is straight up future and past. It's not timeline. It's future and past. Future Johnny Cage, past Johnny Cage. Future Sonya, past Sonya. Yeah, because I can't Cassie. remember. Was that 11 or 10? I can't remember. 10 was the Shinnok saga. Or it was either 11, it was either 9 or 10, where Cassie Cage specifically kills Shinnok. That's canon. That's canonical. Yeah. Cassie Cage kills Shinnok. And then at the end, Johnny Cage and Sonya help her, and, you know, it's the family reunion, whatever. Okay. But. That's right, I'll get out, I'll get out the Cage family. I'll let the Cage family. <laughs> yeah, like, Johnny Cage is, to me, it's not that important of a. I think they gave him way too much importance, and he's just not that important. All right, okay, <laughs> okay. Now, when the when the, the 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 team, the away team, finally gets back to Liu Kang, and the and you know they finally get back to the to Earth realm after doing their you know recon mission. This dude tells them to relax and to rest and get some food. It's like, bruh, things done got real. What you talking about? Some rested. We ain't got no time to waste. <laughs> and bruh, uh, this is real stuff going on. Now, with that said, this movie gives us a moment between Katana and Liu Kang. That is beautiful. Finally. Katana and Liu Kang, the real, the well, the the original Katana and Liu Kang, they meet, they share an embrace, and finally, you know what I'm saying? After all those years, all those years fighting side by side, they finally shared a romantic kiss, and I was like, "Good on you, Liu Kang. Good on you, to, uh, Katana, because y'all are separated by time, but love." Love brought y'all back together. <laughs> All right, maybe I'm going a little too far, but still. <laughs> I mean, it was nice to see her say, oh, you're my Liu Kang. So you could see that she had that kind of, you know, that that fondness for him, which which I thought was nice. It was a nice addition to this story, you know, and then him assembling the Titans for the crazy, you know, final battle is something that I really dug in this story in general. Like the 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 awareness of him getting his powers uh, or restoring his powers and then also bringing the Titans together is something that I think is awesome for this story because you get like this knockdown drag out kind of finale, but it also opens up the door for how many other timelines there can be due to how many people were at the end of aftermath you know like how many you know how many people were there and how many how much did this fabric of the original time split into you know what i'm saying and the bringing in the other titans is just something that i think not only kind of s spreads out the landscape of possible stories but then also kind of gives us a, all the opportunity to say oh snap we can see this fire crazy battle of like climbing the steps you know fighting along the way all these different battles which i thought was just incredible and you know still enjoying 
you know the 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 mashup of all the different characters this this story just it it comes through in so many ways and on kind of like these i guess you could say easter eggy kind of moments for mortal kombat fans um so i i dug that bringing the titans together was awesome uh my question for you is did you expect uh ending that large and are you interested in seeing what havoc has to bring for the next movie or or the next game i guess you say i was not expecting to see old school raiden or fujin or none of the type like I, that 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 shocked me but what i'm not what i'm confused about i just like i said i don't really know how to feel because the credits rolled in after havoc and it's like havoc kanya uh, you see Kenshi with a, a, a just a bald head and a, and a, and a ponytail or a mohawk mm. or whatever. Yeah, a little mohawk. But, that, but that's Kenshi with like his, you know, his um, he's got the sword on his back and he's got the little monk pants on, but he's got he on no shirt. He got the, and he's got a, he's got a bald head with a mohawk. He's been working out. He don't need no shirt. Yeah, and he's got the, the blindfold on. So we're looking at we're looking at the same characters from a different timeline. Right, and we look. We're basically getting the same type of Mortal Kombat, where we have the the remnant version of the character and the good version of the character. You know, so I'm I'm not digging Havoc being a con. I'm not digging Havoc. To me, Havoc is not charismatic enough to be a con. I just don't okay. think it. I, I I don't think. I don't think that should have been given to happen. I just don't. I, I think if we're going to play with cons of different co- timelines, because of course, you know, it's timeline. I think they should have gave that to, I don't know, who could have been a con? Okay, we had Shao Kahn, Koto Kahn. Um, you know, you could have made Sindel now, a Is con. he a con or is he just one of those titans that has his own timeline? I don't know, and I'm not. I don't. It wasn't confirmed that he was a con, but when he came out of that portal and walked down them steps, he has on a con garb. That's havoc True. with a con helmet on. You True. know, he, he looks like Koto Khan, but it's havoc con. Then it's havoc. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking that he's a con in his timeline. Havoc con. You know what I'm saying? It has to be. He has to be a con because I mean he's better the- than Cage Con. So. Oh gosh! <laughs> when you said Cage Con, I was like, "Hold up, really?" I'm thinking they could have gave us a different con. Just havoc! I'm, I, uh, oh man! I'm just not I, feeling I, havoc being the con. He's evil. Like, oh, oh, you know what? I got one. Jerry Rico. Rico could have been a great con. Hmm, okay. Like, okay. If you're just gonna. If you're just gonna pick somebody out of the new uh, character's roster for this storyline to be the next con, right? Because we don't really have one in this game. There is no con in this game. It's just Sindel the Empress. There is no actual con in this Mortal Kombat. This is the first Mortal Kombat that doesn't have a con in it. Because you got Shao Kahn, Kotal Kahn, so on like that. There is no con in this Mortal Kombat. There's no king. There's only an Empress, which is Sindel. It. You're not. You're, there's the, the the character roster right now 
That's General Shao. That's not Shao Khan. Because he's not yeah, a king. Right. He's not the emperor. He's not Emperor Shao. Shao Khan, K A H N, means king. Okay? You're the king, you're the emperor. Right? And there is no Khan. There's only Empress Sindel. So they're giving us a Khan, making it havoc. Okay. I just felt like they could have gave that to somebody else. Havoc? Okay. Honestly, that's another character that I didn't care for coming back. Like Havoc? Really? But Havoc has a Havoc has a fan base. So Rico? Cool. Hey, ain't I'm that cool. the uh, ain't that the deception connection, I guess? I don't know really, really remember where Havoc came from. I think Havoc was only in one Mortal Kombat game. That's it. I and I didn't play with him then. I didn't he wasn't a character that I used, so Havoc to me is just a, a character that a bunch of fans cried about and they got what they wanted. But how many of those people were legitimate? Like, how many of us got a say in that? Like, I didn't get no survey. <laughs> Nobody asked me who I wanted in Mortal Kombat 1. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't I don't know how he made it into the game. Havoc? Rico is, is a great... Like, in other words, no cabal, but you're going to give me Havoc. Cabal, to me, is a cooler character than Havoc. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I think Cabal is definitely a better character. But he's not in this game, and he's probably not going to show up even in future DLC. I think Havoc is just not going to have it. I think Cabal is just not going to be in Mortal Kombat 1 at all. Even in Combat Pack 2 and 3, I don't think we're going to get Cabal at all. I don't think he's going to be in the game, period. Mm. Okay, I, okay. We didn't even see Cabal in the storyline with multiple timelines. This is a Mortal Kombat that brought back oh that brought back Titans and people of different timelines, where the story is the, the, the sands of time is branched off as the sand is sand is infinite. How many different grains of sand are there? That's the amount of timelines there are. You know, what I'm that's basically what the our sand hourglass is. You mean tell me y'all told four hours worth of Mortal Kombat and y'all didn't have a cabal just cameo and not cameo like character, just he could have been an NPC. You're telling a story of multiple timelines. <laughs> New King altered the timeline with his thing. Cabal could have showed up just as a, a NPC, like, like y'all, y'all show, y'all let Jackie Bridge get her head chopped off on his on steps. Yeah, you know what? I, I give you that. And then, and then Bridge. kill, and then kill Jax, like mad hardcore at the end. Yeah. Like you let the only brother y'all let survive was Garrus, but I mean, I guess you know what I'm saying. I guess it's all we gonna get. Right, that's all I'm saying. Like, Cabal could have been, if not in a, as a playable character, Cabal could have been part of this multiple multi timeline story. That tells me that wait. Cabal not gonna be on the game. He's not even gonna be in future DLC. Because even Takeda was in the story. Mm. Men, even Takeda was mentioned. Guess we just gonna have to wait. We just gonna have to wait until Corrupt come out to get a heroic brother. But. <laughs> I know, right? I'm gonna go on. There's tons of stuff to talk about in this in this game, but I know we've been holding y'all for a long time, so I'm gonna throw it over to Open Mind. Final thoughts, and where can they find you? Final thoughts on the MK story movie. Uh, I actually give it a, a B, a solid B, no pluses, no minuses. I didn't hate it, but I didn't absolutely love it. However, I never played Mortal Kombat for the story anyway, but it's good to know 
the story because I like the lore. I like I've been playing Mortal Kombat since Mortal Kombat one and not this one. Talk about the 30 year old one. <laughs> so um, I, I give it a B. I, it's not a storyline. I'm going to go back and revisit. I've seen it once. That's enough for me. I don't really care anymore. Uh, and I just think that I disagree with Havoc being a con. That's about all I really had an issue with in the story. I don't agree with that. I completely vehemently disagree with Havoc being a con and or having any type of significance outside of just being a playable character that a few people going to play with and eventually stop playing with it over time. Because <laughs> he can, his limbs can come off. But y'all can find me, Open Mind, spell it with a Y on the X app. I am Open Mind on IG. And the Recap Fantasy Sports Podcast. Uh, check us out every Saturday night, 9 p.m., where we're going to discuss football. And that's a wrap for me on the on the Mortal Kombat side. I, for me, uh, my final thoughts is thank you, NRS. I love these movies because I'll be honest, I haven't played Mortal Kombat in a long time and I can't play Mortal Kombat now because I got the little guy that always wants to see what's on my screen. So right. I won't be able to play it. But after he's asleep, I will be able to watch these movies. And I have enjoyed MK9, 10, 11, and now, of course, MK1. I, man, it really comes through. Uh, I have a word for, I believe, um, Natara. Uh, Natara says that we can't help what we are, that we feed on blood doesn't make us evil. My answer is yes, that's true. It doesn't make you evil. The fact that you feed on human blood of people that are unsuspecting makes you evil. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, because you could, I mean, I've seen tons of vampire stuff. Y'all could eat, you know, y'all could ingest cow blood, pig blood, goat blood, anything like that. But or you could go, you know, rob blood banks and stuff like that. You don't have to take the random person that's walking down the street and then drain them dry. So I ain't trying to hear that. Also, I want to give a shout out to Ashra. You know what I'm saying? Ashra, you're out there cleansing your soul, trying to get your trying to get your mind right, your spirit right. You know, good on you, girl. Good on you. So <laughs> N-E-R-D-S-O-U-L, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcast, all that jazz. Until the next incursion, until the next time Quan Chi comes through and puts a spell on you or your whole family, or until the next time that a Khan hits you with a huge hammer, this is for me to you or us to you saying peace. Hey.